welcome everybody to the fashion clinics panel discussion. We, this was a project that we worked on during the last year with a couple of classmates from our um, fashion entrepreneurship program and fashion clinic in general. It's an exciting hub that aims to connect uh, aspiring entrepreneurs with industry professionals and kind of start conversations on different issues with either mostly within fashion, but we've touched upon uh, you know, mental health as well and well-being. So kind of connect different topics and try to start conversation on them. So we're really pleased that you are joining us today. And we thought maybe we could start with everybody introducing themselves. So maybe Alex can, can go ahead. Sure, sure. I'm Alex. Um, I'm uh, an NLP and generative change coach uh, that was sort of training and, and, and ran a mental fitness coaching business. Um, but most recently, I'm co-founder of Moment Company, um, which is a business and, I guess, an idea I'll talk about a bit more in detail in a, a little bit later. Nice. Uh, thank you. And, and you, Leah? Yeah, so I'm Leah. Um, I'm a fashion designer from Dublin, recent graduate. Um, my background is in sculpture as well. So I, um, I studied sculpture um, for four years and then I moved into fashion after that. So at the moment, I'm just kind of um, getting into building my brand, um, which is sort of a kind of conceptual artist slash fashion designer. Um, and I'm currently working on a made to order kind of um, business model, but very much in the in the beginning stages but getting there anyway thank you for sharing and you dion hi um i'm dion and um at the moment i'm a lecturer at london college of fashion on the fashion psychology bsc where i teach the fashion and well-being units and also the applications of psychology to fashion so my background is in fashion psychology, but mostly kind of researching and kind of like media commentation. And then I'm also by trade an applied child and educational psychologist, uh, doing a few different things. Wow, thank you. And actually, um, I really wanted to talk to George as well, because she is working on a project called Helping Yourself. And I think it would be great if she told us a little bit about it. Thanks, Isadora. Hi, I'm Georgia Twomley. So I'm from the Fashion Clinic as well. I've been involved in quite a few of these podcasts. So you might have heard my voice um, at some of the other panels. My background is that I'm a fashion designer. I worked in New York for years and I'm currently studying at London College of Fashion, doing my master's and starting my own entrepreneurship project, which is slightly different, but uses some of my design skills and interests it's called Helping Yourself and the aim is that it's a digital platform that highlights the best of what's already out there in mental health so that you can search at different topics and we bring together people's personal experiences, professional advice and further resources. Um, and I guess we'll touch on it a bit further, but you know, I've had challenging experiences in, in fashion industry and really brilliant experiences, but I have a personal interest and background in, in mental health and mental wellness so I'm I'm interested in in this topic of fashion and well-being and where they can hopefully begin to cross over instead of being like opposite subjects mm. great yeah maybe we'd ask next Alex about 
what inspired Moment? Because that's also a mental health company. Sure. So um, I guess sort of my my road into, uh, I guess, learning about mental self-care was um, working in the fast-paced advertising agency world and then thought combining uh, a tech startup with that at the same time would be a brilliant idea and it was brilliant um, <laughs> for a short while um, but I did at, after about two years bring me abruptly face to face with my own sort of mental health uh, which was burnout and for me serious memory retention and recall problems and then just compounded by a lot of fear as that, that those things kick in the fear then created loops and the memory stuff didn't get better anyway um, it was a really, really scary time. Um, but through my kind of, I guess, recovery from that and then beyond, I became, I guess, driven by two fundamental ideas, which sort of form, I guess, a personal mission, which has gone into business missions, which one is around this idea of mental fitness, like as, as a state that when we're mentally fit, like when you're physically fit, um, you're, you're more robust. And the idea being that when you're mentally fit, you can meet challenges feeling positive, feeling energized, feeling motivated, and ultimately from a place of more control. And that was sort of a light switched on when I'd realized that I was completely mentally unfit and it was language that worked for me. And then coming back as it built up, just really felt how I just looked at the world completely differently when my mental fitness sort of started to build and and that was all well and good but I also realized that I needed support and skills and practices that would develop and maintain the fitness and this is where moments came in which sort of then became the moment company um, and that's because one of the key contributors to my burnout in retrospectively um, was not having healthy and re regular ways of relieving stress throughout my day. I sort of describe it as like a, a, a bit like a pressure cooker without a valve on the top. It just sort of the pressure would just sort of build. And I think eventually that's what that's what kind of happened to me. And this led to this exploration into um, the mindful micro pause or, or what we call a moment. Um, which is simply regular conscious mind breaks throughout your busy day that in a short moment um, allow you to sort of drop some of your mental baggage, some of the stuff you might have been carrying if it's from a meeting into a next, and open a space where new perspective can drop in. And so these multiple breaks throughout the day, reducing the accumulation of stress, but also helping you gain perspective in, in the in-between times. And I think certainly we started before um, COVID, but this whole Zoom meeting back to back is, seems to only compound where you can just just go through without taking these pauses. Um, and so just with that sort of idea, we, we um, put together a kind of design brief. How do we do, how do we help people to do this? And our, the, the, the brief was kind of simple in that it was we wanted something that should be sort of feel grounded in nature, made of natural materials. Um, so not just a plastic gadget, um, should be crucially unconnected, so not a phone uh, or within a phone, um, portable and discreet. Um, we wanted to provide a guided experience. Um, us co-founders um, all have had a lot of benefit from Headspace and Calm and apps like that. Yeah. Um, and crucially, because it's about a moment, it should be simple, quick and effective. 
and ultimately also a little bit magical. Um, and so uh, the moment Pebble was born. Um, and so what we, what we provide is a physical device. Uh, it's made of uh, natural stone. Uh, it's unconnected to technology um, from the cause of stress. Um, and it uses gentle light pulses to guide you through um, cardiac coherence breathing patterns. So you breathe in as the light increases for five and out as it decreases for five. And in and out. And this breathing pattern is, is designed to help shift your nervous system state from a stress state towards a calm state from your sympathetic towards your parasympathetic state. And so as a business, we provide the pebble and then we also provide a moment program, which is all about helping people to learn about their own stress signals. We're really about helping people at the start of the journey, like learning about how they feel inside, learn stress signals, when to take breaks, learning about emotional scale and things like that. So it was a, it was a, a, a problem I had that I looked for solutions. I thought about tattoos and post-it notes and things like that. And after um, a lot of product development ended up with the Pebble and the program and, and yeah, we launched earlier this year. So we were a brand new startup business and um, just getting the word out. And yeah, so that's kind of the journey so far. Awesome. It sounds great. I can't wait to try it. I know you sent me one, so we're, we're due, I'm due to uh, unp unpack that soon. Um, I was actually going to ask you guys, maybe everyone could chip in about um, what keeps you sane or, or how you avoid burnout. Um, but Alex, maybe you could start because are you using the pebble? Like how often do you use it? Do you use it all the time? Yeah, I get what keeps me sane. I guess there's there's probably three components in, in my life. Um, one is my own well-being practice, which um, a crucial part is this, which is this external trigger that um, helps you maintain practice in the busy day. But I meditate as well uh, in the mornings and the e evenings. So that's kind of the core of my practice. And I'm quite experimental with breath work and lots of other things like that. I'd say the second component is coaching. I coaching receiving coaching before I came a coach became a coach was one of the fundamental things that helped me move quick start my recovery and really move through that and I've continued that different coaches over the years and then the third thing's probably Roz my other half she's <laughs> she's the one who basically either tells me to pull my socks up or gives me a hug at the right times and that's that's sort of <laughs> Uh, I think those three things kind of combine to, to keep me sane, depending on what's needed. Very needed, very needed. Um, what about you, Leah? Yeah, I guess for me, I, it has to be kind of when I'm in the, in my kind of work zone in a way, I know that it's like either I'm extremely stressed or <laughs> it can actually really, help me I think a lot of the work that I do is very kind of meditative in a way um you know a lot of it's kind of hand gathering things and you know all these making. little flowers and making and I think that that really when I'm in that sort of headspace it's kind of like that's it's it's like meditating really for me because it's like you just all of your 
your being is just focused on this one task. And I know for a lot of people, you know, knitting and crocheting and things like that, or even just, you know, coloring in something, I don't know, mm. really meditative. Um, so for me, I think that, you know, that's definitely something I turn to. I just kind of, you know, put my head down, focus on the work. Um, yeah. Amazing. What about you, Dion? I think I am similar to Leah in that sometimes, although work can cause you a great deal of stress, it can also be something that depending on your state of mind that time can be quite cathartic. And I think it's like you're describing, you get into that kind of state of flow mm. when you're fully engrossed and you feel like, you know, you're just going with it and it's rolling off. I think, so for me, work has been a, a great savior over the years, but um, I guess the other things that I need in order to keep me together, I'd say, is just getting out. I have to get out and get air every day, multiple times a day. If I feel, like a bit overwhelmed if I just step outside even I'm quite lucky to live near a canal I just like watch the water or watch the water birds to see anything kind of in nature even though I'm in London um <laughs> that really calms me down I think it kind of draws my attention away from myself and mm. to focus on the external and that just getting outside of your own head by focusing on you know uh swan um <laughs> it just it just really helps and obviously friends as friends yeah to rely on them a little bit as well yeah so good hey Isadora what about you do you have anything to share um I have actually have a question for Dion um mm -hmm. my knowledge on well-being is I it's not as uh, <laughs> rich so I, I, I actually enjoy listening and you know, learning from you all but I want to understand this concept so Dion, you work at the university and you teach in psychology and fashion. So are there any emerging trends that you've seen or is the next generation of you know, fashion professionals thinking about well-being? Um, and also, if I know well, you combine your work in psychology with styling. So how does that work? I was, but yeah, I'm, I'm now too busy. <laughs> um, but yes, I'm glad that I, when you first, when I, I thought when you said trends there for me that you meant like kind of like fashion trends, but you mean like more like trends and behaviors and things, um, that's just fine. I think based on what I have seen and heard from the students so far, who obviously are emerging talent in their own right, there is a massive interest in well-being. They're just so much more kind of clued on uh, as to not just thinking about fashion as something that's like pretty or um, kind of denotes status or, you know, you must have the, the new it bag. They're really, really thinking much more about well-being and not just or not just their own personal well-being, but they're thinking about it on a systemic level, in a systemic way. They're thinking about the individual impacts on well-being. So for themselves, for their friends, for their neighbor, for their parents, but then also thinking about the impact it has on communities and the impact it has globally as well. So even just um, yesterday we were talking about obviously the Bangladesh Accord, the piece of legislation that's supposed to support the living and working conditions of garment workers in Bangladesh. And we did some really in-depth thinking around in what ways could that benefit and improve well-being for garment workers. And of course, you know, I think 
people are also um, in the industries, not just the students, thinking a lot more about, well, how do we make fashion work for us? How do we make it support our mental health and our well-being? How do we make use of it to support our physical well-being? People are thinking about garments that kind of like maybe, um, I think I saw recently. So, you know, you were talking um, Alex about your nervous system and about the way you know if you can calm down your your sympathetic nervous system um, you know like using a weighted blanket and you know they've got new fashion coming out now whereby you can get like a weighted cardigan so they're kind of incorporating into fashion as well so of course you know if you calm down your nervous system then that can reduce anxiety ease your breathing kind of give you it's the same kind of emotions that you get from having a big hug Mm. but it's quite nice that if you haven't got somebody around to give you a big hug or maybe you prefer not to have that physical contact from a person you can have it from this cardigan so I think people really are cottoning on to the fact that fashion needs to be more than just pretty and novel it's about what does it do how to make it work for us and I think I'm, I can see that happening now and I'm really thinking about the impact that everything that we make has on people all around the world yeah yeah definitely I agree because Lee and I were just talking earlier about kind of the negative impact that fashion might have had on like mm. maybe people and people who work in the industry before. But hopefully that is really starting to change. Like in our masters, no one who's starting a company, no entrepreneur isn't thinking about ethical approach, about sustainable, mm. like all the way through all of their manufacturing systems, their shipping, how people are treated, who's sewing it, where did the machine come from? Where did the thread come from? Like, it's just not an option anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, and Leah, maybe I'll ask you about that because we were just talking about that, about, about do you think it's changing in terms of, say for new graduates coming out, internships, we would have both interned for free and, and probably Isadora too, right? Like, do you think that's changing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope so, you know, because I know that the two of us have had kind of difficult experiences, I guess, yeah. in that kind of, you know, stage of our lives. Um, but, you know, I do think there is, I'm hoping now that there will be kind of more support. And, and because there is that sort of that theme going on within the fashion industry, that people will kind of take that on as a kind of more like, yeah, like, about well-being as well you know and try to be a more supportive network within you know their own business um and generally I just hope that you know fashion is be kind of is moving towards that like Dion was saying you know kind of more joyful and more you know I don't know how to more supportive maybe yeah yeah and just kind of moving away from this sort of production you know sort Mm. of it is more about the joy that fashion brings or the comfort or the, you know, and how we can, yeah, we can push that, I suppose. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. And the other thing we were talking about, of course, is that some of that negative messaging and stuff that hopefully is changing too, like the impact of fashion imagery on the messages people are getting about body image. I know I've struggled with disordered eating. I know we've talked about that before. Um, yeah, but hopefully we're starting to see positive change. I know we were talking about like using social media for that positive approach as well. Yeah, no, definitely. And yeah, you know, as someone who has, you know, experienced um, disordered eating and sort of anxiety around 
body image and things like that. For me, I know we had discussed this before. It was so important that, you know, I, on my Instagram feed, there was just constant, you know, like influencers and got, you know, the usual like fit, you know, food and try this diet tea and all this. And like, yeah. and it's so, it's such a shame because it's such a great platform you know, to inspire and to, and to exactly create a, a more positive, you know, body image and um, that, you know, it, you really have to work very hard to curate your feed, I suppose. And it took me so long to really sort of, you really have to kind of work against the algorithm and you have to start unfollowing these pages and, and really aggressively sort of following these body pods. It's, it's insane. It took me so, so long. And I still get things that pop up on my feed and it's, and it's awful, especially for, you know, young girls and boys, you know, who it, this is their life and this is what they're, they're looking at the whole time. And yeah, I think if social media really plays, you know, into that negative, negative um, body image feed. Yeah, yeah. And it definitely probably, I think, having been going into fashion, it's you're th you're also, it's your hobby, but you're also looking at it with a professional eye and keeping yeah. an eye out for what's out there. And you can feel like you have no choice yeah. but to look at things. But I guess kind of coming back to everything about mental well-being, about you know, not doing unpaid internships, about taking breaks during your day. It's like taking back a bit of that power and control and saying, we want to work somewhere where you feel supported and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the other thing we were going to mention about um, is that the younger generations seem to be really pro-ethical work practices, circularity. Do you guys think anything has prompted that change? I mean, from my view, it's, I guess, a to a degree, a product of our environment. I just sneak into millennial age. <laughs> um, so sort of born into a world, I guess, that was already a little bit in trouble. It led to a greater awareness of what's going on in the care for our environment. And what I'm really, I guess, excited by is, and, and I think has been accelerated by the, the one of the positives from the pandemic is this bit of a shift from completely self-focused to others in a wider ecosystem. And even though sustaining the ecosystem might ultimately be for the self, it's still in that world, everybody wins. So it feels like it's, it, it's, it's just sort of win-win and very positive. So yeah, that's really my view. I agree with you, Ian. I think I've seen a similar thing, that kind of shift from kind of like an individualistic way of thinking to more of like a community way of thinking. And I think that social media, although it has its negatives, has played a big part in that as well, because you connect with people all over the world and you're seeing information from all over the world. And I think, whereas I also just sneak into that millennial bracket, I remember like in the 90s, you'd have the cartoons that would come on the TV that would talk about the ozone layer. Mm. But, you know, um, the messages would only come across like, you know, if you're watching that particular channel, but now, anybody can share information at any moment and you're continuously getting this information is so easily accessible that I think that it's just increased people's awareness of what is going on in the world because we have so much more information at our fingertips and people are so easily able to share it. I think the conversation is just continuously ongoing and I think it's just really hard for people not to hear it now. Yeah. 
Yeah, agreed. And also I think it means that we, we see more information from organizations, but mm. also we're able to act and the organizations get a chance to see, see public reactions and, and see how other people, mm. other people react. Yeah. I was going to ask if, um, if there's anyone that is kind of inspiring you guys right now, whether it's in the well-being space or in the fashion space of someone who, who seems like they stand out, that they align with your values. I think sort of from a moment perspective, one of the lead people for us is Ariana Huffington and what they're doing at Thrive Global, just yeah. that they're really open to and exploring kind of a new frontier, sort of they're, they're pushing research, but they're also just looking at, you know, <clears throat> at what's needed in workplaces and in different environments. And so whenever, I, I, you know, a lot of stuff I read of theirs, I'm, I'm really impressed by So I, I yeah, I'm really, yeah, follow them closely and would love to align with them in some way at some <laughs> point. <laughs> yeah, Thrive Global is a great one as well for any fashion clinic audiences that are listening. There is a lot of entrepreneurs that come to our live panels and I hadn't realized before, but I think everyone, any it's public, it's open. Anyone can submit yeah. articles to Thrive Global. So it means like if you want to, do a bit of promotion for your brand alongside talking about a topic you're interested in kind of also participating in the public conversation and putting something out there that people can comment on. Um, yeah, it's a really smart platform. I'm going to be looking that up later. <laughs> but I was trying to think, and there's, there's, I think there's not organizations, but there's the work of, um, obviously you know her, Arja Barber, and I, really, really value her words and her work that she does. She just um, published a new book called Consumed, which is about consumerism, obviously, in the way we always are just, the need for newness, the need to have, to own, to possess, and what's driving that. She does a lot of work and um, speaks a lot on representation as well. And I just quite like how um, strong she is in her stance that even though she's got quite big in her field, you know, certain brands will approach her on magazines, but she will turn them down if she knows that they're doing it in a tokenistic way. She'd be like, well, hang on a minute, just last year you published X, Y, and Z, or you said X, Y, and Z, so I know I'm not gonna come and be in your magazine or be on your show. And she will, and then she'll call them out on social media. So she really holds people to account and, you know, you know, encourages people to do better, but also encourages them not to do it in a tokenistic way. So I just, I quite just value her work actually, yeah. Yeah, so important. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of really brilliant things out there. Um, in fact, it would be great. We should put something on Fashion Clinic, putting together some of these resources and inspiring people. I'm a huge fan of Naomi Klein, who's written about consumerism as well in her book, No Logo. But I also mm. have seen her speak about climate change. She has a great book called On Fire, which I'm working my way through and have been for a while, I will admit. But uh, she is so inspiring and, and so on the ball about, about her work. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And um, it's interesting how they, they share their so openly. Actually, similarly, um, on speaking of Ariana Huffington, I don't know if anyone's listened to the Oprah Super Soul Sunday podcast where she Oprah interviews her and Ariana speaks really openly about her own breakdown and she was working to burn out 
on the Huffington Post and fell um, in her office and hit her head on her desk and, and woke up in a pool of blood. Sorry to be dramatic, but um, yeah, and she had a big awakening and um, and has really changed her ways and, and focused her life more on well-being. And I think that's probably the way forward for a lot of, mm. a lot of people. One of the reasons that we wanted to do this podcast at the Fashion Clinic and talk about well-being, well, we had brainstormed last year and one of the topics we really wanted to look at is mental health. It is amazing when you look for mental health in the fashion industry, there's a lot of problems out there, but there's not a lot of content about the solutions. Um, and it's probably as well because people are maybe sometimes nervous to speak out. It's easy to call out a brand, but it's hard as a designer to say, I found that a toxic workplace, but please to the next company, please hire me. You know, it, it's a challenge, but the silence doesn't serve anyone. Um, for my thesis, my thesis looks a lot about collaborations and how they could be used to benefit society. A lot of fashion related collaborations and social enterprise projects, whether it's mental wellness or working with charities. And we did a lot of research kind of with industry people, but also surveying the public. And one of the questions in the survey was, have you ever felt let down by a brand or felt it did something that doesn't align with your values? And the answer there was that 86% of people said yes. So that's pretty much nine out of 10. So that's pretty much everyone. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you guys, have you ever felt, down by, felt let down by a brand? And maybe is there any brands that you think are doing a great job of aligning with your values? Um, yeah, maybe fire away on that. Yeah, I had to think about this and <laughs> I find it very hard to mm. actually think of a brand that really, you know, was doing great for me. Like, I think, yeah, I, I actually couldn't think of anything. And it, that was that actually made me really sad because and I think that that statistic seems um, so right, you know, that. I think a lot of people are still not there yet and there's so much work to be done with maybe established brands. If anything, it's kind of the, for me anyway, the more, um, the, yeah, like little startups and they're starting fresh. Yeah, totally. Yeah, smaller brands. A lot of entrepreneurs seem to be really have it as their focus. Um, I actually interviewed someone from Smartworks, which is a charity that works with a lot of fashion brands and gives clothes to women for interviews and to help them get in the career ladder and for and any kind of interview um, to, and a professional wardrobe to help them kind of move, move towards the life they want, I guess, and, and a better quality of life. And they, they made the same point about it being easier to work with the smaller brands sometimes it's easier to find the right person to talk to and who can give you the permission and who can commit and make that their focus and really try and commit to a message as opposed to a huge brand which has I'm sure amazing intentions but a lot of red tape to get through one of the brands that always does come up um, in a lot of conversations and I think it's it came up in our sustainability podcast was Patagonia everyone seems to be just absolutely obsessed with Patagonia I know um like on Black Friday they just give all of their profits away and they yeah they do a lot of good things about trying to encourage people not to buy their clothes and mm -hmm. just to mend them 
Um, but it is really hard. I agree with you, Leah. For one of our classes, we had to answer a similar question. And I had thought that my answer was reformation and, and looked them up and was like, oh, let me see their brand values. And then it turned out they're cancelled. And I, I didn't realize. Um, so that did make me feel so good the next time I was in the store. I couldn't help think about it. Like, it's kind of hard to get away from. Um, what about you, Dion? Good question. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's hard. Like I know it's hard to think of the brands that I don't don't sit well with me. Like you said, Leah, it's that's easier. And obviously, the first one that comes to mind for me is not a brand that I particularly buy, but it's, it's Dolce and Gabbana. I know they're quite an old school, big fashion house, but they, as designers themselves, say the most atrocious things. <laughs> and about countries, about people, about women, about IVF, it's very negative. But then people continue to buy their stuff or walk in their runways or endorse them there as celebrities do being the face and they think why on earth would you so they're a company that or a brand that you know even if someone tried to give me some dng for free i just don't think i would want it it just feels so tainted um but then when i think of designers and i i hope this person's not being cancelled i hope <laughs> I, need to check. I really like um christian siriano um and do you know christian seriano no oh yes leah does yeah so um, (laughs) yeah so they 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 run they won project runway like years and years and years ago now they're quite a well-known designer but what i love about christian seriano is that they said this quote which is like they said i didn't realize or ever stop for a moment to consider that i wouldn't have to dress just every type of person so they're not a person that won't only dress like stick thin Amazonian models they literally will dress anybody and I love that you'll see kind of like women of all ages and sizes and gender identification and sexualities and everything wearing his stuff and all his you know his aim is to make them feel confident and beautiful in what they're wearing and I just really like that so yeah Christian for me amazing Sounds great. They were actually making the same point in that SmartWorks interview that sometimes it can be hard to find workwear and interview appropriate wear that for transgender people. And they were suggesting that that could be an emerging market, um, which is interesting. Yeah. What about you, Alex? Any favorite brands? Um, I think Patagonia does stand out. Like the culture there is incredible. But I think what's also interesting is that they're one of the early B Corp or benefits corporation certified businesses and I think having this something we are working towards ourselves we have teeny weeny and just getting started but um we've already done our first sort of review and how we fit within the big framework and I think that there is a standard out there that people can go through and do checks and that when you're in the club that sort of what's their motto being good is good for business I think the more more organisations, and you're seeing like um, <laughs> amazingly um, corporate finance businesses get registering as B Corps and all kinds of different types of businesses. So I think <clears throat> for me, brands, you go, if you go and look down the list of registered B Corps, I think that's a good place to go and look for good for, yeah. for a good reference point for, for for businesses who are at least you know you have to be doing all different parts of your business have to be performing to a certain level um, from staff to supply to everything. Um, so that's something that I, I, I hope will continue to grow. And I think consumers are 
are and will continue to demand it more and more. And I think that's where it's going to be what's going to drive it ultimately. Amazing. And how is the B Corp process, the application process? Is it taking a lot of work? So we haven't applied. What you can do is you can go on and you can download the, the basically the criteria that they check you by and you can run it yourself. Um, and the main thing there, and there's a B Corp handbook, which is worth getting as well. You can get them um, secondhand on Amazon or whatever. Um, and that's really good too. But basically just, especially if you're an early stage business, it will help you sort of structure it in a way that is um, best to be able to um, become a B Corp. So if you do it from early on, I'm just call lovely. Working from home. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alex's uh, beautiful child has just walked in. <laughs> but yeah, basically, if you structure for, for growth, uh, for, for B Corp from early on, I think it makes it a lot easier. If you get even to a sort of mid-size, it'll, it becomes a little bit more tricky to re-engineer everything. But yeah, I definitely go online and um, download the criteria because you can see what you'd need to do in your company. Uh, and then the handbook's really handy as well because it gives you live examples of how people have done different things. Um, and there's the likes of Ben and Jerry's and a bunch of others uh, in there. Yeah, so inspiring. And it's so true because it comes up constantly in our entrepreneurship conversations at LCF. Everyone is thinking about at how they can do good. And it would probably be, be a great place to start to actually start incorporating those criteria in the conversations we have about setting up businesses really factually so that businesses that are setting up can actually start with those aims of a B Corp like you're doing, very inspiring. Uh, that's also, you know, kind of connects to me wanting to know a little bit more about helping yourself and how does that connect to fashion and how does that connect to all the topics that we've discussed so far, including these strategic collaborations uh, between corporations and even kind of um, projects that connect to Alex's work, for example. Yeah, actually, funny you should say, and Alex, I was going to say to you, I was going to message you, I saw a brilliant quote that was shared of yours on LinkedIn this week, which I was thinking uh -huh. of um, quoting you in my thesis, so I wanted to ask your permission, which maybe I'll do so publicly now, but about how <laughs> collaborations are the biggest lesson you've learned and how it's better to collaborate instead of maybe compete with other businesses have you guys been doing a lot of collaborations yeah we try to in basically in every in every every opportunity we get really um just trying to i think within startup with limited resources the the way where you can combine with someone else to create something much greater any opportunity to do that we, we really jump at um and yeah that's been just something that i think Culturally, we're kind of taught that someone has to lose for someone else to win. And, and, and while that's kind of true, maybe in a game of tennis, <laughs> it's not a, a rule that stands true everywhere at all the time and certainly in business. Um, and it's just more fun as well when you do it that way, I certainly believe. Yeah. So that's, that's, yeah. And <laughs> you're more than welcome to use that. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, because that's kind of part of what, helping yourself is built on it's built on this idea that there's loads of ways to feel better with strategic partnerships at the heart and looking at how we can all highlight each other's work and what's already out there and and 
connect to people in that way and, and build it on the concept of, of connecting with other people and helping others. And maybe some days we go there for help and another day we go there to help someone else or a bit of both. Um, and yeah, it definitely began in part with my own experience in, in fashion and having my mental health challenges and really similarly to you, Alex, building something that I wish that was already out there and that I wish that I could have looked at on hard days and something that I could have gone to. And I think strategic partnerships and collaborations seem to be the future. Like there's constantly new fashion collaborations coming out. And hopefully that is going to be the way that things go, that people begin to collaborate more. Even like Fashion Clinic is a hub that can bring people together. And hopefully even today when Lee and I were chatting about coming on this evening, I we also spoke about who else we could maybe put each other in touch with. And yeah, working together and creating that more supportive industry is hopefully the future. And maybe on that note, um, would be a good place to ask the final question, which is, do you guys have any advice for someone starting out in the industry or a new entrepreneur, someone moving into the fashion world or how people can take care of their mental well-being and avoid burnout? Any, any, any final thoughts? Um, a, a couple of, a couple of, couple of th- well, maybe a thought and an invitation. The thought is, is that it's important in, in my view to find what works for you. Um, for everyone's health, mental health and health is unique. Um, example, someone, you know, with ADHD, ADHD sitting still in meditation can be quite uncomfortable. So perhaps something like breath work in terms of approaches would be better. Um, and there are many amazing solutions out there once you start looking and, and, and ask around and ask for help. And certainly, you know, I'm open to be asked any questions and I'm here to support anyone if, if they need in whatever capacity. That's what we're trying to do is moment companies kind of be there, not just be a company that sends something out and says, see you later, but to continue to be there. Um, and then the invitation is... Um, to, to be curious about your mind, I guess, um, that there's, that there's, that I believe there's value in your high states and your low states, um, that if you can bring awareness, for example, to what causes you stress, what your signals are, what triggers are, whatever language you use, but also what makes you smile, what, how you get into flow states and things like that, where you're feeling creative, what leads up to that and what takes you out of that. I think just being curious about your mind that's what got me doing what I'm doing and love doing was just actually focusing inward um, and the more aware you are the more in control you can be not all the time of course it everything ebbs and flows um, but I genuinely believe the more aware you become of your mind and how you react the more easily you'll be able to navigate life and whatever gets sort of thrown up in the air so that's my invitation is to be curious about your your mind challenge accepted (laughs) build on what Alex said there about being curious as I was thinking I guess that I I try not to give advice um as one of our kind of sayings in psychology is like never give advice you know you just like you said Alex be curious with people and encourage them to wonder but um I would I would suggest to a person that they should 
listen to their body, listen to their body and don't push yourself. So often our body's giving us signals and sending us messages and we just don't listen to them. We keep pushing ourselves because everyone around us is still in the office. So we feel we have to still be in the office or people are working late. So we feel we have to, or they're going out after work, even though you're exhausted and you feel you have to. And social media again, doesn't help that because we see all these people maybe doing these amazing things and producing so much and then managing to run marathons and work out and launch a business at the same time. And we <laughs> compare all the time but it's about doing, like you said, what's right for you and just taking a minute to turn inwards and think about where are you right now? What do you what do you need? And maybe you need to lie down and watch Netflix. And if you do, that's fine. And then tomorrow you can do something else. But yeah, listen to yourself and do what's right for you at the moment. Yeah, I guess kind of similar points from as well. I think whenever I you know, find that I'm getting to that burnout stage or getting to that point of like high stress. I need to find something kind of joyful in what I'm doing and, you know, just take a minute to sort of play and have fun and do something, do something joyful and, and kind of reset. And, you know, for me, that kind of brings me back to something very simple and something lovely. Um, so yeah, finding joy and, in what you're doing. Yeah, I love that. Play, super important. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Hopefully um, we can add to Alex's challenge and maybe tomorrow we can all try and make sure to have a, a moment of play in our day. Yeah, for sure. That sounds great. Thank you guys so much for being here. Um, I'm really looking forward to listen, listening to this podcast myself. Um, this has been The Fashion Clinic. And that's us for this evening. Thank you so much to Alex, Dion and Leah. Thank you. Thank you.